It's the new year, and part of the new year is that we're starting once again to have a scripture memory for the month. And this month is found in Psalm 19. And you might wonder, why did I pick Psalm 19? Well, hopefully in two weeks you'll see the good connection between Psalm 19 and this month and why that is. It's just the first four verses. They are two couplets. Couplets are easy to memorize, easy to roll off the tongue. We have uh, memory strips like this in the back that you can pick up and carry with you to uh, help you to memorize it as we go through the month. And part of our practice is going to be every Sunday of that month is to be able to recite these verses together. Not necessarily from memory, but to be able to recite them together. So today we're going to be reciting uh, together Psalm 19, just the first four verses. And from there we're going to be going into the scripture passage for this morning, which is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, the first four verses. Uh, the words are going to be on the screen for both of those. You can follow along on your phone or a tablet or a book, or you can just follow along with the words that are on the screen. But for the reading of scripture as part of our tradition, I invite you to join me to stand either physically or in your hearts before God in reverence and respect to God and his word as we say these words from the book that we love. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. God's very word. Now please remain standing as I read from Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So, he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. God's very word. Thanks be to God, and you may be seated. Snapshots. Think of old-fashioned Polaroid cameras. They were used to fill things called photo albums. Your grandparents probably have some. Today's photo albums are on the phone, and that's what we scroll. But the photo albums are an old-fashioned way to actually flip pages and to see snapshots, things that we enjoy, people that we love, things that mean so much to us. Now, the snapshots that go into the photo albums 
uh, have certain characteristics about them. Uh, there's something of the past, you know, it's something of the old that we want to remember. Uh, secondly, that they are stationary, they're stopped, they're of a moment in time. And then thirdly, the, the pictures, once you take the picture, especially a Polaroid, uh, you can't Photoshop anything into it. You can't put yourself into it. I mean, what's in the Polaroid is in the Polaroid. Well, this is not true of the snapshots that we are going to be looking at. Because in these snapshots, we are going to be building a photo album in these coming months. Snapshots of Jesus, who he is, what he does, how he's working. What's this all about, this person of Jesus? And so the snapshots and the photo album of Jesus are the exact opposite in some way of the uh, photo albums that have been put together. It is not about just the past. It's also about the present. It is who Jesus is. Secondly, they are pictures that are still moving. They are not simply a picture of the past that is static and stationary. It's still happening. Jesus is still working and moving in this way. And third, these snapshots are not forged in stone. You can still get into the picture. And so we're going to be looking at some of the snapshots of Jesus this morning. We're going to do so through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is typically not a popular book to study. It's filled with old-fashioned ceremonies and rituals and sacrifices, and people think, well, what's in that book for me? But the book of Hebrews is not about sacrifices and rituals. It is a book that I propose to you that's all about Jesus. It's about him. And our society needs to get a good picture, and we need to get a good picture, of the snapshots of Jesus. Our society views Jesus as a nice guy who wants to help us in times of trouble. But the most that most people in our world hear about Jesus is when his name is used as a curse word. And we need to change that. The book of Hebrews is about the greatness of Jesus, his superiority over all. Okay, staff, I'm going to say it. I wanted to give this series a certain title, and they vetoed it. So I'm just going to say it. Jesus is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. And the book of Hebrews gives us all the many wonderful ways that he is the goat. And we're going to see it over and over and over. So as we go through the book of Hebrews, we will see in these snapshots of Jesus that he is the fulfillment of all of our lives. He offers so much. He wants to give so much. And he longs to be in relationship with us. Now, as we go through Hebrews, I'm not going to unpack it as I often do as we make our way through a chapters. I'm not going to do that. In fact, in Hebrews 1, I'm just going to be looking at the first four, chapter, first four verses next week. We're looking at chapter 2. 
And my goal is to look at the snapshots, look at the titles, look at the pictures of who Jesus is. In fact, we've got two billboards in the back, out in the foyer. One billboard we're going to start to fill up with snapshots of titles of Jesus. These are the snapshots of Jesus from Hebrews. And so we'll, I'll be focusing that on my talks that I give here. But there is another billboard that we are going to be filling up. You see, the wonderful thing about Jesus is that the more that you really strive to want to know about him, the more you get to grow with him. The more that relationship with him starts to develop and the Holy Spirit gets involved, and this amazing thing happens, we begin to look a little bit more like Jesus, more and more. We call Jesus, one of the titles is that he is the great high priest. We, the supporting cast, are called the priesthood of believers. Priesthood, because God is at work changing us and growing us and shaping us so that we become more and more like the great high priest. Doesn't mean we become gods by any means, but there are certain characteristics of Jesus that become to flow from us. So we're going to fill up the other billboard with snapshots, Polaroids, of who we are. In fact, she doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I need to get, and this is, this is really going to bother her, but I need to get Sarah up here because she's got the Polaroid camera. Or you need to send Jake up with the Polaroid camera. Oh, uh, she's coming. I want you to take two pictures. I want you to take a picture of this half, and then I want you to take a picture of that half. Can you do that? Smile. Smile for the camera. Here's our first snapshot. They'll be, we'll be taking snapshots all along the way. So I'm not too concerned about now being in this. Oh, there's the one. Oh, doesn't that bring back memories? Okay, here's the other one. Smile nice and pretty. Oh, there's number two. Thank you, Sarah. We'll show those in a little bit. So as we put up the Polaroids of who we are, it's just a reminder that the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives so that he shapes us, melts us, conforms us more and more to be like Jesus. Okay, so that's where we're going. That's our journey. We're not going to be looking at motion pictures of all of these titles. They're just snapshots. Here we go. Nine of them. Nine of them in the first four verses of Hebrews. Here we go. The first snapshot of Jesus is that he's called God's final word. God has nothing more to say to us than can be found in Jesus. What God is doing, where he's headed, where he's going, 
how he wants to be worshipped and praised. There is no secret society for anyone to join that has secret meanings and understandings about who God is. God's final word to us is found in Jesus. God's final word. In the 6th century, there was a man who said he was the final messenger from God. His name was Mohammed. He gave honor to Jesus. He said Jesus would be one that Allah would send back at the end of time. But Muhammad said he had new revelations from God. And he put them in a book called the Quran and handed them to people. God didn't hand us a book. He handed us himself in the person of Jesus. Jesus is God's final word about who he is. Remember that story in the Bible when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with Jesus and they saw the glory of Jesus being revealed? And these three disciples, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to act. And so God broke through the silence and he told them, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And that's what the Christian life is about, listening to Jesus, God's final word. The second thing about Jesus is that he is the son of the Father. He is in relationship with the Father. It's personal. It's intimate. It says in 1 John 4 that God's nature is love. And that's a big difference between our wonderful God and all other false gods. False gods will say maybe that they were around before creation, but they were by themselves. Part of love is that you have to be in relationship. Before time began, who was in relationship? Father, Son, Spirit, they were this circle of love even before time began. And then Father God widened his circle and offered the circle of love for any and all who would come to him. He sent his son into the world, human flesh and bone, to offer himself on the cross so that we could enter into the circle of love with Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus is the Son of the Father. It also says that Jesus is the image of God's glory. Jesus said that if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. You can't get to the Father unless you come to the Son. Jesus. He's a spitting image of his father. Has anyone ever told you you're the spitting image of your father or gals that you're the spitting image of your mother? Anyone ever told you that? If they've told you that, it's probably more than just facial features or body build, but maybe something more importantly about your character 
about your personhood, of how you treat people, and they see that in your parents, and they see that in you. And that way, Jesus is the spitting image of his Father, of the same nature of the Father, but showing all the qualities and characteristics. Fourth, he is the source of everything. He made the universe, and sometimes that word universe can also be translated, and some people say, of the ages. It has a little different feel to it. Universe, you think of things that are created and are there. Ages thinks more of a perspective or more of time. And he created the physical universe, but more than that, he created to be a part of the universe, to take center stage in it to show himself that he is not only the creator of it, but he is the one who is leading it. There's a few other titles that talk about that. He not only created it, but he is the sustainer of everything. Jesus continues to have the hand in the unfolding of history. He didn't simply create the world and set it spinning and let happen whatever would happen, he is actively involved in sustaining. Now, last month I showed a picture like this of our time when we were in New York City. This is a, uh, a bronze statue of Atlas. Atlas is the Greek god, the Roman god, you know, that has the weight of the world on his shoulders. You know, and so he's always kind of hunched over with this big weight that he has to carry. And there's a bronze statue of him outside the International Building. Now, I find it interesting we notice that when we look the other way, across the street is a cathedral. The one who created the world is worshipped there in that cathedral. And there stands the, the picture of, uh, of Atlas with the world that's there. And Atlas always has, has this uh, bent down because of the weight of the world. And, and sometimes we have that picture of God, that God feels, that we think God feels the weight of all of our burdens and it just weighs them down and, and we, we wouldn't want that. And, and we know what it's like to be weighed down. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, my job was to take out the garbage. And I know none of you had children who did this, but I did. And my one task was take out the, and, and I, I take the Atlas position. Oh, this burden is just too heavy. It's just too much for me, you know? And, and you're trying to give this, like it's just a weight. And, and we sometimes think God is like that. Oh, another prayer request, another need, another weight. And God just has so much, and now we're going to add to that. Have you ever made something special for someone? Made them a bookshelf? Knitted them a quilt or something? And you give that to them? And they say something like, oh, all the time and energy, what a big thing you did. And your answer is, it was a joy. 
it was a joy to make this for you. It wasn't a burden. It was sheer joy. And when we come to God with our needs and our concerns, it's not like adding another burden on top of all the burdens he has. He responds by saying, taking care of you is my joy. I love doing this. I love showing you mercy and kindness and grace. That's how he sustains out of his joy. It says also that he is the heir of all things. Later it says that he is the firstborn. And in many cultures, and especially in ancient cultures, when it comes to the inheritance, the firstborn gets it. One person gets the family property. Because if you start dividing it up, and then the next generation you start dividing up, pretty soon there's really very little for anyone to have. And so the oldest, the firstborn, gets the property. Now, something that we don't think about is then the responsibility of the firstborn. Yeah, the firstborn gets the property, but then it's his responsibility to make sure everyone else in the family gets to share in the blessing that everyone else in the family is provided for the firstborn is to watch over the welfare of everyone else that's the responsibility that comes with the firstborn colossians 1 says that jesus is the firstborn of all creation and that he is the firstborn of all of the dead. He not only created this world, he is an actual part of it. He is the firstborn, not only the firstborn in that way, but the firstborn to rise from the dead, it says. And because of that, he will take care of us. We too, who put our faith in Jesus, are promised that there is a day coming when we too will rise from the dead. And we will have a resurrected body. Because we know, the Bible says, when we come to Jesus Christ in faith, he moves us from spiritual death to spiritual life. He is the heir of all things. He is the firstborn, and he's going to make sure that all of those who come to him are taken care of. He's going to defeat, once and for all, that power of death tie it up and throw it away it says also that he is the purifier of everything he gets rid of all the contaminants in our life including sin he wants to remove all of that that is incompatible with who he is and what he is doing and he is at work right now purifying us and removing from our lives those things that are hindering us from following him. Second Peter 3 says that one day all the elements will burn up with fire and it will be replaced with a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will find its home. 
because all the contaminants will be removed and he will finish the work of purifying. But that work of purifying is going on in our lives now. Removing the sin, removing the stuff that's keeping us and hindering us from following him and having him as Lord of our life. He is a purifier of everything. He is also the supreme over everything. It says that he, when he ascended, sat down at the right hand. Now, sitting down has the imagery that he has complete authority. And the right hand is the place of authority. So Jesus, who said, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth, when he returned to heaven, he sat down at the Father's right hand. He is supreme over everything. He completed his task of offering himself on the cross for us, returned to heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father to say that he has all authority. Now, the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about that he is superior over the angels, and that might seem rather odd for us. But in that Jewish culture, angelic beings were the highest level of spiritual beings that the Jewish people could think of. And so the writer is simply saying, Jesus is the greatest being. He is greater than the angels, and the angels even bow down to worship him. When he sat down, it shows that he has the authority. But there's more. Sometimes we think of Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the Father, that all he's doing is just sitting there, receiving the worship, listening to the prayers, just sitting there. But there's more to it than that. I think about a judge, and that's one of the titles that Hebrews will give eventually to Jesus. In the courtroom, when the judge comes in, the bailiff says, all rise, everyone rises, and then when the judge sits down, everyone sits down, and then the action begins. To think of Jesus as being actionless in heaven is the wrong picture that people have of him. He is active. The kingdom has begun, and the kingdom is vibrant and moving and active, and Jesus is at work on our behalf and the kingdom's behalf. And we know that over two billion people in this world have heard and responded to the good news of Jesus because Jesus is active. There have been counteroffensives, there have been attacks by the enemy, there have been false teachings, but Jesus is still moving his kingdom forward. He is still active. And he is seated on the throne, and there is action going on in your life by him, whether you see it or not. 
He is active and at work in your life as he is active and at work in this world. Supreme over all. Then lastly, he is the fulfillment of everything. It uses these words in the last days. They're not just words that the writer of Hebrews decided to pull out or pull together. Those words, last days, are Old Testament words. They're words that were used often by prophets. They were words that talked about that there is coming in the history of the world a time when Messiah King will come and Messiah King will fully establish in its totality his reign and his rule, his kingdom. We call that the last day. There is a day coming when Messiah King, Jesus, will return. And all of history will find its fulfillment at that time. The last days, plural, is the time leading up to that. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, we are in those last days. We are in those times leading up to waiting for Messiah King Jesus to come back and to fully and completely establish his reign and his rule. He will be the fulfillment of it all. So those are the nine snapshots. Here they are. He is God's final word. He is the son of the father. He is the image of God's glory. He is the source of everything. He is the sustainer of everything. He is the heir of all things. He is the purifier of everything. He is supreme over everything. And he is the fulfillment of everything. And that's just the first paragraph. God, historically, has spoken in ways that we can understand. Sometimes in the Old Testament, he spoke very directly to people, to Moses, to Deborah, to Isaiah. Back then, people didn't always listen well. And even today, when we listen, we tend to quickly forget things that God says to us. God continued to speak to people directly in the New Testament. And he has spoken clearly through his son, Jesus. God has not stopped talking. But we have often stopped listening. So if you want to hear from God, wondering what God might have to say to you, look to Jesus. Look to him. God with flesh and bone. And then Father God has also given us his Holy Spirit. So we would want to listen. And once we do listen, to have the power to be able to make the changes we need to in our life to be more and more 
like him. He is all these things and many, many more. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father God, how we bless you and how we thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Thank you that we see you clearly through him. And at times when our vision of him is foggy or clouded, we pray, Father God, that uh, the power of your spirit will be unleashed in us that we might be able to see your son more clearly. Thank you that we see in him promises that you have given to us, promises, some of which we celebrated this morning with the baptism, but promises that we have new life, a new life that's found in your son. Thank you so much. And we know that because of all that your son has done, suffered, died, and rose and ascended, and is at your right hand now, we know that one of the things that your son does is that he listens to our prayers and he intercedes on our behalf with you to let you know those things that are of concern that weigh us down. And we thank you that you are a God of joy and grace and care that you long to hear and respond. So Father God, we lift up our needs to you, our concerns to you. Father God, we bless you for Calvin and for the healing that you have brought into his life. We join with so many prayers to pray for your protection and care over him. We thank you for the precious image bearer that he is. We pray that you will continue to care for Calvin and Declan and Shauna and Kaylin and continue to be with their family as they grow together and as they make uh, adjustments and changes in their life based on the things that are happening in their life. We pray you will continue to care for them. We join with Sue in praying for her granddaughter Danielle her husband Fred and the changes they have coming and they're moving to Kentucky. And we pray for uh, Kevin as well, that you would be with the doctors, that they would know what it is that's going on in, in his body and in his life. And we just join with Sue in the prayers that she has for her family. We thank you that she shines your love brightly with her family. We pray you'll be with... Uh, Sharon Baker's mom, that you will continue to strengthen her and her recovery. We pray, Lord, that you will bless her in the residence that she is in, and we pray that you will use that to be a, a place of healing and care in her life. And Father God, we pray for Joe and David and Pam, that you will care for them, and provide for the needs that they have and 
days when they feel uh, especially down, we pray you will give to them a double blessing. We pray this as well for Ken and for his family and for his friends. We thank you for Sid Jr. and for good news that he has heard from the doctor. We pray, Lord, that you continue to bless him and Kate and their family as they continue to think about plans and procedures or whatever it is that might be ahead, but we do give you thanks for a good report from the doctors for him. And Father, we pray for our families, families that uh, are in need of grace, families that are in need of restoration, families that are in need of reconciliation, families that are hurting. Uh, we lift our families to you. We thank you for times that we can celebrate with family and we come to you at those times that we grieve of different things within our family. We pray, Lord, that you will provide what each family needs and uh, the help and the assistance in our lives. We thank you for families that are growing. And we pray, Lord, for your care to be upon uh, Genevieve Gorder and uh, Annalise Grout, that you will protect them and the babies that they carry. We pray that your protection of grace and comfort will be upon them in their waiting time. And when that time comes, we pray for uh, a good and a safe delivery. Oh, Father, there are other needs and requests, and um, thank you that you are a God who knows them and that you hear them and you answer them. Uh, we pray for our neighbors, and we pray on this day and this week for our, our neighbors on Willard Avenue, that you will give to them a double blessing and that they would somehow know this blessing comes from you. And today and this week, we pray for our missionary partner, ASJ. We thank you for the ministry that they have in Honduras and beyond. We pray that you will bless them as they strive to bring your justice into the places that sometimes can seem very dark. We pray that you will protect their staff in Honduras and their staff in the States and wherever it is that they go. Protect them, keep them from harm and danger. And when they feel discouraged, we pray, Lord, that you will give to them hope and strength. Thank you for being our great and glorious God. And we pray, Father God, that you will lead us and guide us in our journey in this year of 2024. Thank you that you hear our prayers and we offer our prayers in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, Amen.